All right, Jacob, I have the question this week. So here's my question for you. Gotcha. How do you go about creating questions? I mean, (laughs) to me, that's one of the hardest things to do in the classroom is to ask the question that gets the most bang for your buck. So how do you ask your kids questions and get what you want without giving it away? Question asking is pretty important. um, Do you remember when we were coaches and we one day we were just kind of like trying to figure out what to go watch we wanted to go see some different classes that we usually don't see i I specifically know we went to math and we went and we wrote down every question we heard yes you remember that and then and then we kind of brought it back and had the teachers kind of examine them for a variety of purposes Mm -hmm. um the the task was really you know listening to what types of questions the teacher asks, but then really thinking about the types of questions that students are asking because that tells you a lot about uh, the the instruction, right? If kids are asking a lot of questions about what to do, um, that means that really your the way you instructed or kind of gave directions was too vague or the, the assignment is too vague. So kids end up with all of this, all of these just the busy questions when, when they could be working. So I don't know. I mean, when it comes to me asking questions, I tend to, and I actually thought about this the other day cause we did a PLC mm-hmm. where I brought up the, Four levels of questions, basically, for for close reading, right? Um, And this book, I guess, could be an extra one that we mentioned because we're going to list a bunch of books uh, today. But Mm -hmm. the the what's it called? The close reading book. It is called. I can't think of it right now. But it is. It's like TDQ. Well, there's like there's like we have 400 billion copies of that book on campus. Anyway, there are. It's going to come to me in a minute. Yes. So to simplify, it's the four levels of questioning. It's the first question is basically what's going on. What is the text? Oh, you're talking about the text dependent questions book. There we go. The text dependent questions book. And that's the title of the book. Yes. Text-dependent questions. Yeah, TDQ. That's what I was looking for. Um, I told you I'd have it. Thank you. You are you. You always have the information. But so following that is kind of where I honestly I, I got trained that way, and I, now I just do it kind of naturally. So it's the question. So when I sit there and we read a piece, for instance, reading a poem for the day, I will go. All right, I'll, I'll prep my kids. Like, all right, remember reading for enjoyment. First, that's what we're doing. But I'm going to ask you, you know, what's the text saying? So be thinking about that as we're reading. Don't just read to read, read to think. <laughs> and so we'll read. Now, like, all right, what did the text say? What's saying? What 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 is being said in this? And so we'll have that. And that usually is a good primer. If I have a bunch of answers, or if kids are eager to answer that, I'm like, sweet, we understand the text. Then we go to the next level of how does the text do that? And so looking at the text structure itself. Um, and then after that, then you get to inferencing. So it's really talking about the why possibly behind something. Why did the author use this type of language? Why did they set it up this way, et cetera, et cetera. Stuff that cannot be found directly in the text. And then the fourth level is what I think about in workshop as the launch. So taking that conversation and going, okay, how do we this, how do we apply this to our independent thinking, both in reading and writing and so when it comes to my questions, 
Um, I tend to do that in my mini lessons. You know, there's usually three to four questions. And if I really broke it down, it follows that pattern more often than not. Sometimes I'll take out the structure uh, and focus just kind of on the reading side. So I'll skip step two, but then we'll circle back into it um, as we need to if we want to look at it from a writer's point of view. But yeah, that's that's how I craft my questions, I think. That's how you craft your questions? Well, that TDQ is actually from, uh, is it Nancy Fry? Doug yeah, Fisher? I think so. I think so. So anyway, yeah, we had to, I think we have, like you said, a ton of them. And they have different levels. They have like um, five, you know, the intermediate level. Mm-hmm. And then they also have like middle school level as mm-hmm. well. And one of the, the last question, I think question number four there is how does it inspire? What does this text yeah. do to inspire you? And I'm sure mm-hmm. that's what you were you were referring to. But. Yeah, and that, that's why I use it like the inspiration like for me is like, okay, so what do we – knowing that this text mm-hmm. does this, either it makes us think this or we observe how they did it this way. It's that In my head, for workshop, it just works to go, okay, what does this inspire us to do as readers and writers? So that would be like the next level. Is it going to – and so is it going to inspire you to even like go and research something else? Mm-hmm. Those are some things that, you know, I like to bring up with the kids. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there you go. And we're going to talk about books today. Is that what you wanted to do? All right, we'll do our best. Welcome to Craft and Draft with – Jacob Chastain and Pam Ochoa. We're today we're going to talk about books for press professional development. Yeah, we uh, it's it's book buying season. Most teachers are off right now, and by the time they hear this, it'll be this is our Christmas episode. So Merry Christmas if you celebrate Christmas, Happy yes. Holidays if you don't. Enjoying whatever you, if you don't celebrate anything and you're just kind of off in your own land. Hopefully you are enjoying it wherever you. Are at, but regardless, um, t- you know, I buy so many books on Christmas break, and we, I want to be 100% transparent for the audience here, Miss Ochoa, which is oh, okay, when we were talking about topics for the episode, uh, the initial idea was like, oh, a Christmas buying guide, but then when we realized this episode is not going <laughs> to drop until Christmas. <laughs> Um, Post Christmas buying, yeah, so this, the, the idea is that we're going to share. Uh, basically some some top picks, maybe some books that we don't reference 100% of the time, maybe some books that we do reference. Um, but for you, that if you're looking to increase your PD library, maybe you're an administrator uh, wanting to add to your professional development library on your campus, or you're a teacher just trying to get your game on with PD and really dive into it with some gift cards and just some extra time to read, uh, we're hoping that this list doesn't break the bank too much, but offers you tons of insight. I know the stuff that we're going to reference is the stuff that uh that connects to us. But so Miss Ocho, would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? It does not matter uh in the slightest. Well, I mean, you go ahead, Jacob. You've already got one in mind, I think. I have I have a few in mind. I just want to know where you're going. All right. So, I do have one in particular, which is actually one I've read recently. Um, and I tried to not – I made a big list, but a lot of these I don't want to actually mention because I talk about them all the time. Okay. And if anyone knows me, uh, knows that uh, what I reference almost all the time. But this book is a book that I think provides the workshop teacher 
with the relevant research background needed to really appreciate um, the, the workshop process, right? I talk a lot about, and we've talked about on this podcast too, which is, you know, understand the research, understand best practice, you know, don't just do what's hot. Don't just do what looks cool. Don't just do what's fun. Um, understand pedagogy, right? Become Mm -hmm. a master of your craft. And this book by and large gave me tons of that information and it is children want to write by the one and only Donald Graves. Um, it's actually written by a lot of people. Thomas Newkirk is in there. Penny Kittle's in there. I do believe, um, it's basically a, a book that puts together the original research that him and Lucy Calkins and everyone kind of did. And there's some essays thrown in there. There is research. I listened to it in audiobook, uh, which I actually really enjoyed because it was I don't know. I, I don't do audiobook and fiction very well, but nonfiction, it's kind of like listening to a long podcast. And I remember just like stopping and like getting really absorbed in, uh, the, the, just the findings that they were having and like the early stuff about like how early writing begins. And you know, the, the, the title of the book is called children want to write. So the, the very chunk of that is just kind of creating this wonderful argument, uh, evidence-based arguments that not only do children want to write, um, but they can write pretty darn well if you set up the 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 parameters to do so and that book goes about it very well so i think anyone who reads that is going to walk away with not only some great practices but also some research to back it up that way if admin wants to know why you're doing what you're doing or if you just want to share the gospel you know with people <laughs> um it it always helps to know like you know, we, we reference the reason why we reference so many people together when we're talking is because, you know, we want to pay respects to the giants that came before us and the people that have done this work. And, um, I think, I think of it in a very Buddhist monk way, which is like, we need to tip our hats to the, to the Mm -hmm. original people. And I think that book is a great primer for anyone who doesn't have the time to read 400 books, but just kind of wants it condensed into one. I think that's a great way to go. Well, and one of the things about their research is that I think it's timeless because I've been doing this for a long time. And and this research you're talking about occurred, um, I guess, in the in the 70s, 60s, 70s and Mm -hmm. 80s. They started implementing it on a regular basis. People started applying the research Mm -hmm. and I've been doing it now, what, for at least 30 years. Mm -hmm. And so implementing this research and doing it with uh kids, sixth grade through 12th mainly, but with adults. And one thing I have found using this, because it's research-based, it it performs, you know, how they can say if it's scientific, it can be repeated. And I'm telling you, the results can be repeated over and over and over again. However, it, it creates a nuance because every writer is like an artist. I mean, they come up, they they do something new each time. So every one of our kids creates something new, but the process of getting them to do that creation, I think is is uh, what we stand on as well, far as research. And, you know what I really like about it even more is you know this about me. You know, I love to I love debate. You know, I, I feel uh-huh. like I feel like our relationship was actually predicated on us like realizing <laughs> the, well, I think we yes. we, we realized that we could <laughs> 
like even on stuff that we disagree on, we realize that, oh, you and I can totally do this in a respectful way and like come about it, like mm-hmm. not hating each other and maybe even having some nuance to our conversations and stuff like that. And I think that's where our relationship really started blossoming was when we re- realized we respect each other's intellectuals, even on the, the minor things that we disagree with here and there. Um, in that book, uh, they they're very open about actual the criticisms of the research and how even like down to early in the book they talk about how some people disagreed with the methodology for instance about mm-hmm. how they kind of gathered data um, and then they they come around and justify their reasoning why um, but they 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 pay homage to the fact that yes people disagree here's their disagreement here's our counter argument and I infinitely respect people more when they're able to not just preach their own side of things, but when they are able to talk about why someone disagrees, giving validation to why someone might disagree, but then offering a a counterpoint to that. Like that to me and my intellectual side that really rings like, Oh, these people are really honest. They genuinely care about the, the, the process that they're talking about. They're not just trying to sell some type of program or ideology in a, in a nice neat bow, which I think adds more credibility to them. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, I'm going to bring up, well, there's a lot I can bring up, but one that I, that I go to on a regular basis mm-hmm. when I'm teaching writing and when I'm needing to get the students to develop their writing and to elaborate and to add more to their writing. Mm-hmm. And if I need a nice mini lesson and I just need it already compacted, ready to go. And that is depth of writing mm. uh, with um, uh, Dr. Carol Joyce. Carol wrote that and uh, it's called, it's actually called writing with depth. That's it. It's off the top of my head, so I'm hoping I got the right one. But, yeah, it's writing with depth, uh-huh. and uh, she wrote it a while back. But the thing about Dr. Carroll, you know, she's the one that founded uh, New Jersey Writing Project in Texas, which is now known as Abydos Learning International, which is who I trained, you know, I trained with. They trained mm-hmm. me, and I trained for them. But um, the thing about it is uh, she was a student of Janet Immig, and Janet Immig and Peter Elbow, Donald Graves, all of them were a part of that research that you're talking about. And so Janet Immig, who taught in Rutgers, uh, Dr. Carroll was the student of, if you will, and in 1979, she came down and became a professor in Abilene, and of course, that's where... uh, she began applying it. She created a way to apply it, and that's what we teach. So that's what I'm talking about. But her book, Writing with Depth, is a great book. There's some lessons in there. Uh, Depth Charge is a really good lesson uh, where you take, um, well, I'm not going to tell you exactly how you do it just yet, but it's in the book. And what it is is you take that paragraph and you show the students through that depth charge going deeper. So they, mm-hmm. they they highlight a very important part of their writing that they've already done. And then they mm-hmm. take that piece and then they extend it. Anyway, it's that's just one example. So, uh, but she has in there, in that book, she's got lessons. She's kind of got it with um, 
how do you get them to to do that to add to their paragraphs? Uh, she has another section of coherency and how do you help the students create coherency? Uh, she has somewhere how do you get the students to go back in and research? So it's just a whole book of mini lessons on writing with depth and mm-hmm. helping your students do that. So it's it's a really great book and I go to it all the time. Mine's flagged with all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I I knew this was, I was running the fear of this, but I just added it to my Amazon cart. Uh I have not read this apparently. So for people who are interested in this and who might want it, Amazon's got it. You can get it in hardcover from $6 to $23 and they have several used copies from anywhere between $8 and up. So, and they also have it in paperback. I don't know if they have it on Amazon in paperback, but yeah, that's what I was saying. So they have hardcover and then they have some paperback Mm -hmm. on here, which is nice. So yeah, very cool. I love, I mean, her work, I mean, she, you know, I don't know if, you know, the full history of, uh, Dr. Carol, but her work, I mean, we talk about Abydos all the time on here and kind of the New Jersey Writing Project, but it's it's kind of the smaller version, so to speak. Uh, at least it's, it's less known in some circles. Um, but her history has got to be super fascinating. I mean, do you know uh, some of that for people that might have heard us mention Abydos and, and, and the project but might not have any really idea about how it came about is, is that should we dedicate an episode to that or could you give a <laughs> an elevator well, pitch i, to I don't know but I, I give a little elevator um you know she they started this project like i said she worked off of jana emig who was a part of this original research and so she was her student when she was getting her doctorates uh and then of course that's where she you know she calls Janet Emick the brain mother of this whole thing. And she, uh, Janet Emick wrote a composing process of 12th graders. And through that research in 1969, established a lot of this other research that we're talking about uh, as far as like how to get kids to write. And so then from there, she, uh, they did an, I guess it, uh, they were part of the diffusion network. There was some, uh, I don't know, it was a, I don't know. It was a network from the government or whatever, from the education. And I don't even know if they have it anymore, but it's a diffusion network uh, project and it was uh, approved. And she became a professor down here in Abilene at McMurray. And from there, she, she uh, launched this New Jersey writing in Texas. And the reason it's New Jersey is because it comes from Rutgers, the idea and all this comes from New Jersey. If you look at Nancy Atwell, all of them, they're all in that New England. Lucy Calkins, all of those are up in that area. So it was that research, and she brought it down to Texas, which is why it's called Abido, uh, uh, the Writing Project in New Jersey, the New Jersey Writing Project in Texas. But anyway, you know, she, at, but as a teacher in Texas, she was actually a part of, she was the president of the English Association of Teachers in Texas. So she's played a big, huge role. She writes a lot for um, NCTE and and all of that. So she's mm-hmm. written a lot of books. She's one of the ones on my list of like, I, I get to graduate when I talk to someone like that, you know, at some point, it, whether it be on craft and draft or teach me teacher, like she's one of the ones like, you know, her Nancy Atwell, Linda reef, 
Um, like those are kind of my, my, my next few people who I'm like, if I get, you know, once I talk to them, each one of them is a graduation for me because they're all legendary in so many ways. Well, they are. And, uh, the thing about, I guess the thing about these people is they are wonderful teachers. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. teachers first and they're always teachers first. And one of the things about them too, Linda Reef, um, Actually, Dr. Carol, now she's, they're older. I mean, they're in their 70s, and and I mean, she was in the profession for over 50 years. But she would go and work with the Houston, uh, downtown Houston uh, ISD, and going in and helping helping uh, students there and would work with those teachers. So she lives down in the spring area and would actually help A-Leaf and all of those schools down in there would actually go in and help those those kids. The thing about Linda Reef is she still teaches an eighth grade class. The thing about Nancy Atwell, she's still in there. I mean, she has a demonstration school, but she created her own school, but she still teaches. She teaches these 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 people still teach children. And that's what they do. And I think that's the magic of what is why they're so reputable too. And they bring uh, Dr. Carroll always said, you bring the wonders down. A good teacher brings the wonders down to the children. And I think that's true. And I think that's hard to do. Yeah. Well, and I mean, there's so much good there. I mean, you and I, mm-hmm. the, the, I like I said, the reason we talk about these people is, is because of their dedication to their craft, the, what they've brought, I mean, let alone what they've brought to just education in general. I mean, this is the stuff that, you know, what's funny. I was just, before we even jumped on today, I was looking at a PD book that I'm interested in grabbing. Um, a bit expensive. I was like, wow, that was like 40 well, bucks. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they were, uh, it was great. And you know what? In the first freaking page, it was about teaching kids how to write. Uh, Don Graves was mentioned and, and that whole thing. Oh, it's yeah, like, man, you it just, you just can't get away from these powerhouses that did it first. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I don't want to, right? Like there's a reason why we keep going back to them. Uh, so in any case, I, uh, love that one. Let's go to my, Next one. Oh my God. Which one do I want to pick? Oh, I, I have one. I have one. I actually had this sitting on my desk too. Uh, funny enough. I don't know why. <laughs> like, I guess I was looking at, it. I don't remember. Sometimes I look at so many books all the time. So this is full disclosure. I am buddies with this person um, at this point, which I feel honored to even say that, but we, we <laughs> talk pretty regularly. Um, I was super excited to have her on the podcast. She's one of my longest podcasts I ever had on teach me teacher. Um, but I recommend this book all the time because like my first choice, this is another book that if you read it, you're going to have such a wealth of knowledge to work on. And I, I don't know, you know, I didn't really think that way until I kind of became in charge of teachers necessarily, you know, not in charge, that's a stronger word, but, but kind of like a leader of, of a teacher group. You know, I thought about it as a literacy coach and that's when it started. But now that I am practically a literacy coach at my campus, but more of a department head role, um, I constantly think about, okay, what, what can I give teachers that will set them on the path? You know, cause I don't, much like my students, I don't want to sit there and I don't want to give new teachers material that they can only access through me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. 
So this is another one I think if you read it, you're just going to come away with a wealth of knowledge. And it is Literacy Essentials by oh, Reggie, yeah. uh, Reggie, Reggie Root. Rutman. Yeah. Reggie Rootman. Um, Rootman, right? Yeah. Yeah. Rootman. 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 She, uh, yeah. it, it looks like Routman. Yeah, but it's um, Rootman. She, uh, one, she, <laughs> why would it be funny if I botched that anyway? But she, sorry, Reggie, if you're listening to this, but, um, <laughs> we love you, uh, Yeah. <laughs> and it really she, did, because I told you how much I loved her years ago. Yeah, I mean, she's that's so funny. I'm gonna feel so bad if that was wrong. Anyway, she, um, this book is astounding. Um, what it's huge, uh, but it's huge for a reason. I mean, she goes through every piece of what is required to make literacy. I mean, she talks about one of the big parts that she talks about is, you know, equity and what does that look like? You know, equity in the classroom, equity with reading and writing. And it is, it is life changing to read it because she put so much of her effort in there. You know, I think I wrote a review on Amazon where I said, this is, this is essential reading for any literacy teacher. Uh, even if you've been doing it for a while, because it, it brings back, you're like, oh yes, yes. I need to, you know, I need to focus on this. I need to think about this. And for new teachers, I mean, I wish I had, I wish someone handed this book to me when I first started teaching because it is so good on so many levels. I mean, she talks about environment. She talks about social, emotional stuff. She talks about what, how, how to even set up great lessons. She talks about the writing side, the reading side. She talks about the reading, writing connection, and she cites so much research. I mean, it is literally, I mean, it's, it's, it's the equivalent of uh, a workshop Bible in a lot of ways, because it is, it's so great. And if people are interested and you're just kind of a fan of Craft and Draft and you've never listened to Teach Me Teacher, go jump on to that three-part episode I did with her. We talked a lot about it, but she is extremely dedicated to her craft. I recommend all of her books, um, but more importantly, I, I think Literacy Essentials is essential. It's a great title, but um, I, I think people should – I think you can't go wrong. If you can buy one book um, – I think that's that's definitely one of them because she's amazing. Now I do have to ask because you were a fan. When did you first come into contact um, with Reggie's work? Oh, years ago. And it was when I say years ago, I'm talking about, and I'm trying to find the book actually. Um. Anyway, I it it was. I think back it's Reggie Routman, by the way. Now that I'm yeah, saying Routman, it in my head. but it's it's in the. I don't know. I knew that we had messed her name up earlier. I know that's why it. it was making me self conscious about it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Reggie, we still love you. Okay, yeah, um, well, it might have been her right. Uh, well, God, what book was it? I think it was her Invitations uh, book, but I'm trying to figure out when that was written. But it was a long time ago uh, because. Again, with Abydos, we have a conference, and I was at a conference, and and I sat right in front. I mean, like, she, she was right in front of me. Like, I was on the front row, and she was right there. The microphone, you know, was right there. Yeah. And so I I think I fell in love with her at a conference, and she's just a great presenter. And But I think this was back in the 1990s, late 90s, probably, I would say about 97, I can't remember the exact book. Um, she's written a lot of them, but The Conversations is a really good book. It's a big, thick book, but that's another book that she wrote that's really good. 
And it's all about conversations. I actually had to present, I presented some uh, workshop off of, off of that book conversations that she did um, for well, our district. And you know, just kind of some backstory, like some of the people, like I've interviewed so many people at, at this point, right? Like I've talked to so many of these educators in a variety of disciplines. You know, obviously I love the ELA people because they're my people, but you know, she was, I did that podcast when we were working together uh-huh. and she wanted to kind of, uh, Stenhouse at the time was sponsoring the podcast. So we had that connection. Um, and it was to kind of push her book a little bit. And we had this great phone conversation beforehand where we just talked and she kind of wanted to kind of pick my, not pick my brain, but kind of, I guess, make sure that like the podcast was legit. And like, I kind of knew what I was talking about and stuff. And she, you know, and, <laughs> well, and that makes sense. well, and I, I love that because, um, I was already a fan of what she had to say and, and all of that. But what was cool is, and I might be remembering this wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is kind of what happened, which was, you know, the, the podcast teaching teacher is kind of long form. Like this is just kind of split. And I, I remember, us having the conversation about how long the podcast would be. And I remember kind of pitching her the the discussion points that I wanted to have. And she was like, well, I don't, I don't know if we can squeeze that in the, the time limit. And then we ended up talking for like an hour and 45 <laughs> minutes like on the podcast. Um, because we had talked on the phone so long before that I was like, Oh, we're definitely going to be able to hit so many of these points because when you, it's like us, you know, once we start going, it's just kind of yeah. like, it's like, you have to kind of force yourself to stop because there's so many points and she's just such a genuine human being. Like I, I think at the very least go by, go out, see what books she has and go support her because, um, I think she she deserves it. She's been around a long time, and she's incredibly she supportive of. And she's got some everyone. great ideas. Yeah. yeah, sorry. No, you're good. Well, another another group that um, I have not met this person at all. But are you familiar with Stephanie Harvey's work and some of the yes. people that she works with? Yes. I've just always been kind of amazed with them, and um, I think the book. Um, well, now I've lost the name of it, but anyway, it's she's got they've got a new book out, Striving. I think it's Striving, Striving and Thriving. Yes, yeah, Striving and Thriving. I think that is exactly what it is. Let is me that the check. is that the name of it? But that's not Striving the book that to Thriving. Me. Okay, that's not the book. That's her. I think one of their newest ones. Yeah, it's twenty seventeen. Uh huh. Oh, they have but, a from striving to thriving readers and from striving to thriving writers. Writers, I think that is writers the the newer. That's the newer one. one. Yeah, that was twenty. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. So, but anyway, some of their work I think has been really good um, over the years. But I'm trying to think of the book that. Um, let me see if I can uh, strategies, strategies that work. That work? Mm. Yeah, that was from year two thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was probably when I first learned about them. And so I've always kind of been fascinated by some of their work. Is, and, this, your, uh, is this your second book or is this an added bonus? Oh, I think it's an added bonus. <laughs> one that just showed up. <laughs> Sorry. Added bonus. Hey, St- I, I definitely, Stephanie Harvey's great. Mary Howard uh, really loves uh, Stephanie Harvey's work. And I, Stephanie Harvey has done some fantastic work in, uh, and yeah. what we're talking about for sure. 
Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Okay, so my second book. Um gosh, I have I have quite a few written down now that we've been talking. <laughs> Oops. That's why yeah, I, I knew it. You you have uh you have an encyclopedic knowledge of some of this stuff. I don't know, but you know, I, I wrote down his name and you know, Jeff Anderson is one that needs to be mentioned when it comes to being able to take and apply taught grammar in the classroom within the context Mm. of writing, because Mm. that is something that we preach about, but we don't really show people how to do it. And again, I have to go back to Dr. Carroll, who, who wrote for national, uh, for, um, NCTE, you know, she wrote an article on, uh, her way of doing that, which is going back, ratiocination is what it's called, but she would, uh, she had a, color coding way of going back into the writing. Mm -hmm. But I think Jeff Ederson has taken that to even a a new level. And he's written several books about how he approaches grammar in the classroom. Well, and you know, what's funny is uh, I didn't know he was connected to them until you told me. And then, Mm -hmm. because I didn't read Mechanically Inclined originally. My, my introduction to his work was uh, everyday editing, but he, uh, when I, I went back and looked at Mechanically Inclined just last week, actually, and in oh, the did? beginning, he thanks uh, Dr. Carroll and has kind of a, a nod to them. And I was like, oh, wow. Well, he's an Abido- he's a Diamond Abydos trainer. Yeah. So, yeah. So he, he, that's how I know him. But uh, I think he's worth mentioning because he has a unique way and he's got a great style uh, when it comes to presentation and when it comes to his writing, when it when it really just breaks it down and makes it easy for teachers to apply. And I think uh, you interviewed him. Yep. And his... He was one of our uh, first, he was, he was one of the first big people who uh, not only came on the podcast, but actively participated in helping me grow the show. Like he, he, mm-hmm. he was very pivotal in that. And uh, I mean, what a, he didn't have to do that. I was just a, a dork with a podcast. He wanted to talk to smart people. So uh, he he earned my infinite uh, praise of him regardless of what goes yeah. down. So, yeah, he's he's a very incredible person. Right. Well, and the I think, to, to be real honest, what was on my list, the second one was um, one that I go to a lot and that I almost kind of have it internalized and that's lessons that change writers mm-hmm. by Nancy Atwell. And it's more of a workshop. So was Jeff Anderson another honorary mention? <laughs> yeah. Now this is my second one. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's like, wait a minute. Now you're changing again. You just, changing squeezed, again. You just squeezed three books into your number two. Into my well, that's just how I do. You can't oh get them in gosh. when you can. <laughs> but uh, but but really, truly, uh, <laughs> lessons that change writers' lives. <laughs> that one is a really yes. good book. Yes, and it's by Nancy Atwell, and it came out a while back. And mm. uh, but I mean, it came back out when it was it had transparencies. I don't know if she did an update, but. I actually have memorized some of those lessons and use her lessons. Yeah, I mean, well, Nancy Atwell's, uh, her pebble lesson is something that changed my writers in my room. Mm -hmm. I did it uh, last year, and the the kids still talk about it. 
when we, I mean, it literally the same day, I mean, you talk about a freaking lesson that changes a rider when That's we right. did the pebble lesson and I changed it. I added my own flair to it, but the core of the lesson was hers. Um, it literally changed how focused they wrote and how they wrote about, uh, a singular topic and stuff. I mean, it was, it was so freaking powerful. And I'm like, that's amazing. I mean, it, that is a rare gift to not only be able to have a lesson like that, but articulate it in a way that other teachers can use it. It's pretty incredible. Right. And I think that's that part of bringing the wonders down. Now she's a direct descendant, if you will, of, uh, Donald Graves. Mm -hmm. She and Penny Kittle both are they, but they were, um, worked worked with him. Now I don't I know that Penny Kittle actually was one of his students. I don't know if Nancy Atwell was a student or was a part of that consortium where he was he admired. I think her I know work. I don't know that answer either. I think I know for a fact Don had visited her class because she talks about it in mm-hmm. in the middle. Um but I, I don't know the extent at which they actually worked together. I don't I don't have that information. Yeah. But anyway, but she's one of those that's just amazing. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. But, All right. Well, after three books later, we okay, have go ahead. Two I'll be quiet. Let you go. Well, now, so I'm going to give some what honorary mentions. So, oh, okay. Honorary mentions. I'm going to give two honorary mentions before I give my third book because. Um, I, I did want to put these on the list cause I talk about them all the time and I wanted to give people a little bit of a different perspective on some of this, but, um, my, my first honorary mentions, Donald and Miller in the book whisperer. Oh, of course. Which is, uh, that's easily something I could recommend everyone should buy right now. Um, I've praised her ad nauseum at this point. So it's, <laughs> I mean, you just <laughs> search, search anything I've ever said about writing or, I mean, or reading and you'll, you'll hear me quote something from Donalyn Miller. So, uh, that one, she changed how I taught. I'll be infinitely in debt to her. And then, hey, um, can, can I give you a connection to Donalyn Miller that nobody knows? And even she doesn't know that we have. Sure. I think it's my dad. My dad was her math teacher. (laughs) I think. But uh, she went to the same school I did in in high school. We graduated from the same school. I and my principal. So there you have it. I'm connected. In my principal program, uh, one of the people who was studying to become a principal, she was her student. Mm. She had Donalyn Miller as her English teacher, and I was like, "Holy crap! Like you were in there. <laughs> <laughs> you experienced the whisper." Yeah. <laughs> she was like, "Yeah, it was good. We read a lot of books. Like <laughs> yeah, she wasn't nearly as nerdy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's just a teacher. Yeah, like she's not like <laughs> she this read weird... a lot of books. Yeah, Donalyn is a she's she's such a funny person. I I. Uh, I had obviously met her in person. We we that was the one of the few podcasts I actually did in person. But I've met her several times since, and I've watched her present several times. But when I when I saw her at ILT, that if she just walks down the hallway, people just stop and talk to her. And I mean, uh-huh. just standing around her and listening to all the books she references for people, she's she is a crazy person to ask questions to because she just has. I don't think anyone reads more than that that woman. She that, is probably uh, not. She's an incredible reader. Um, the other one that I am going to give an honorable mention, but I'm not putting on here, is 180 Days by Penny Kittle and Kelly Gallagher. Um, the reason it's an honorable mention, because I've praised it again so much, uh, I think it's essential for anyone who's in secondary. Uh, well, I think they 
I think they really enjoyed, you know, talking to Penny Kittle. I had the opportunity to talk to her, but um, mm-hmm. she really, I think they really enjoyed doing that book together. It seemed like. Anyway, go ahead. Well, it's like us. You know what I mean? We're, uh, mm-hmm. except we're not across the United States. I think they're, they're that's, it's always nice to find your teacher uh, bestie, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I feel like they are. Right. All right. So my number, uh, what is this? Three? My number three. Is one that uh, changed how I taught reading in a way. So if if Donalyn Miller is in charge of getting me to get kids to read independently and kind of setting that foundation, this next book took me to a next level of small group instruction for struggling readers. And that is Who's Doing the Work by Kim Yaris and Jan Birkins. Ah. Uh, Kim is fascinating. I really enjoy her. I've never met Jan. Um, so I can't, I don't, I don't really have any stories for her other than the fact that I love her book, but her Kim, I've, well, go ahead, go ahead. No, they came out, didn't they come out and you had that book when we were working together. Yes. That was another book book that was around that time. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Um, Kim is, is very, I mean, she's amazing. She's, she's very kind. She loves what she does. She's intelligent. Uh, she's reached out in a, in a variety of ways. I, I've, I've talked with her on a personal level a couple times, but she her that, that book who's doing the work is a wonderful small book. I want to add because some of these, that yeah, it's listed, not very like, big. Some of these books that we've talked about are very large. Um, this one is very small, but it packs a punch because it basically freed me from like these misconceived notions of like kind of what guided reading is. Like the the way that book's kind of pitched is it's a book that is meant to be almost not the next stage of guided reading, and that's not how they sell it, but that's how I kind of saw it. It's like if guided reading is like kind of stage one, the who's doing the work is kind of like an evolved version of this, of guided reading, to where you are it, – it, it gave me tools as a middle school teacher who often teaches kids who read far below where they should be. It gave me tools to work with them that wasn't – dumbing down content. It wasn't limiting their ability, but it gave me some research backed practices that really helped me understand. Like I'll give you a perfect example. Early in the book, she talks about, or they talk about the connection. Like if a kid's reading, um, I don't remember the terms off the top of my head, but so some kids might read, uh, words and that's where they're getting most of their meaning from, or they might get context from other stuff. So if there's a picture of a dinosaur and the sentence says the dinosaur was angry, but the dinosaur looks happy, they might read it and go, the dinosaur is happy, even though the word says angry. Right. So it, it taught me this intricate play of, how kids basically create meaning as they're reading. And it was really useful as someone who I didn't go to school for um, early literacy and stuff like that. It kind of bridged the gap for me. And just as a secondary teacher, like I just, it really gave me so much uh, nuance to the reading process that I was not previously exposed to. And it did it in a way that where I didn't have to read a 300 page book, which was nice. So, um, (laughs) cannot recommend that enough. Absolutely. Perfect book. If you are, uh, needing to up your reading game for sure. So are you ready for another one? 
I'm I'm ready for another one. Are you gonna have five honorable mentions before you get well, to the third one? <laughs> no, I was working on. <laughs> I was working on one. <laughs> well, the actual book is. People Laura are already Hall. like they they've probably already paused. They're like, you know what? I can't. Like, I have to listen to this next week. This. I need another paycheck before this. <laughs> Uh, teaching reading in middle school mm. by Laura Robb. I knew Laura Robb was going to make an appearance. You knew she was going to come up here. Uh, anyway, yeah, that was the one I had. I had. Uh, I was in high school, and I decided to go back to middle school, and I ended up in a class that was English and reading. What I'm doing now, but I hadn't done it in the middle school. And so her teaching reading in the middle school was very helpful to me. And right along that, I paired that. And that's what I was looking for was Colleen Beers, When Kids Can't Read, uh, Colleen Beers. And that was back in 2000. But those, I think, are still really good books that are very helpful. But they give uh, questions that you can ask the kids. Uh, Laura Robb talks about strategic reading, which is very similar to guided reading. Uh, but it's it's really being strategic about teaching these students, and she gives a how to on um, anyway. She gives a how to on the workshop model here. Mm-hmm. Well, Pretty and cool. I mean, we've praised Laura so much. She is uh, she's one of those. You know, there's a few. A lot of the the people are either elementary or high school, right? There's only a few that specifically talk about kind of the middle school mm-hmm. experience. And, I, you know, it's funny because I never thought I would teach middle school, and now I'm kind of obsessed with it, so I might never leave. But it's <laughs> such a unique age like because it. you're – well, you're dealing with kids who sometimes read far above where they're at. Or far below. So it's literally the middle of kind of the spectrum to where you have freedom in the sense that kids don't fully hate literature yet. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they're just, like, especially in sixth grade, like they're coming off fifth grade and fourth grade where the love of reading is still being kind of propagated to kids and they're kind of getting to read whatever they want. And then as they get older and into high school, it starts becoming, you know, you, ha- you have to read this or that to be prepared for this or that. And right. uh, that's usually when kids kind of check out and like, you know what, <clears throat> that's not my life. I'm going to move on to something else. But in middle school, you know, we have, we get to push that, but we also get to have a little fun. And I think Laura Robb, um, I think she is one of the the great minds of middle school teaching. I think she, uh, I think she has equipped teachers with a lot of tools that that are are, are not addressed all the time. Right, and she puts a lot of things in practice that you know. I mean, you really want to know how to do it. She just kind of she kind of lays it out there pretty simplistically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was able to follow it, so that was really good. And I needed. I needed that kind of help back then. So it kind of gave me the confidence I needed. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm thinking of my 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 next one and my last one, right? I said three or four. So I think I think because I could keep going. There's other things I want to mention. I, I have to give one honorable mention. You've already mentioned Nancy Atwell. For anyone who wants to dive deeper in the middle, changed my life. That is mm-hmm. my honorable mention for this. In the middle is, you know, a lot of people – like the, some people read this, it's like a college book. Like people read this, um, to like, you know, in their, in their, uh, their program to get their degree and whatnot. And that, that's wild to me because I would have loved it so much, but 
uh, I read it outside of that, and it's amazing. And she has a lot of those lessons in there. She uses a lot of her student writing in there, which I really love seeing. Um, and I hope to model that one day uh, in in one of my books where I get to use my students' writing and stuff like that. So in the middle is my honorary mention there. But I have to. I feel like I have to. I'm in between two. Okay. Uh oh. So <laughs> I'm looking at this. I don't know which one to pick. They're both amazing. All right. So I'm going to give one more honorable mention and then I'll tell you my last one. Okay. Oh, okay. So my other honorable mention is the quick rights book by Linda reef. Yes. Uh, and the reason I'm using it as an honorable mention is because it's not, it's not PD necessarily. It is a little bit, but it's more of a resource. So if people are struggling with finding excerpts that can be used in secondary that are from a variety of sources that are really great for using quick writes the way she uses them. I honestly use them in many lessons more often than for use of quick writes. Um, it is single-handedly the best resource I have. Uh, unfortunately, when I looped up with my kids, I couldn't use a lot of it anymore because I had used so many in sixth grade that I, <laughs> I kind of had to find a bunch of my own stuff. But following what she outlines in that book, I think sets up uh, many lessons really well. So Quick Rights by Linda Reef. Check it out. It's my honorary mention. All right. So my last one. Believe it or not, Ochoa, the book that I recommend teachers go buy if they need some PD right now is The Acts of Teaching Writing, 3rd oh. Edition. it! that was going to be one of mine. I'm coming up with another one. All right, go ahead. The reason why, so the, yeah. there's, you can, I, the second edition's great, first edition's great. You buy whichever one you want. They are expensive because they are hardcore, <laughs> you know, the, the hardcore <laughs> PD side of stuff. Um, yeah. But the, the reason why I recommend the third edition specifically is one, it's a little shorter because they digitize some of the, the other stuff. But mm-hmm. um, I think it's worth it for the intro essays alone. Um, they talk about the, at the, at the beginning of the book, and by the way, the acts of teaching is Abydos. This is, this is Carol again, Dr. Carol and all of them. So for the yeah, this people is Dr. that didn't Carol, know. Yeah. And her husband, Eddie Wilson, they, yeah. they paired and putting this together. Uh-huh. So this book talks about not only what literacy was, what <clears throat> has been, it also talks about what literacy will be. It talks about the digital age and what that looks like for authentic workshop teaching. And I think it is so valuable, not only in the sense that it gives you research-based practices, um, but it gives you background and context. Uh, but it also, it and it gives you actual strategies that you can implement. So, I mean, it's, I mean, you can't go wrong with any of the books, but this one is so flabbergasting and how uh, valuable it is to teachers. Um, I think it's, it's absolutely something that you need in your library. I think you'll learn a lot from it. It's not a book you read from cover to cover. It's more a book that you read to kind of like page 30 and then you kind of flip around depending on what you need. Um, but for teachers, like this is a great book to do PD book studies with, with your teachers, because you can kind of go through and work with teachers through the process of writing. It is a perfect thing. Like if you feel like if you're like a hardcore reading teacher and you're like, I need, I need to understand the writing side. Like this book is going to make you understand the writing side. And it's, I couldn't recommend it enough. So that's my last one. Acts of writing. 
third edition. It is a blue cover. Yeah, the first one's pink. The second one's brown. The last one's blue. And it's so, amazing. Yeah. yeah, I have the, I have the brown one and the and the pink one memorized. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, they're they're really good. Not only that, in the back of them they have implementation models. Yes. So they'll actually take and like you're not sure how to do it if you just imitate those implementation models. It, it'll walk you through a six weeks. Yep. Anywhere from a six to a nine week period. And it goes from kindergarten all the way up to uh, high school. Yeah, that's, a, I, I guess that's, a, that's another great point to point out is like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter where you're at uh, early elementary or later in secondary. They they talk about it all. Like this is, this is the right. thing that talks about every level that you need. <laughs> yeah, it does. And uh, one of the things that's interesting is when we were uh, learning how to be a trainer for Abydos, we had to memorize. And that's when I say memorize, not memorize, but we had to read all of these books. So we had to read 30 books and articles. Okay. And then we had to summarize them in one page or less. And then our summaries had to be graded by Dr. Carroll. Wow. And from there, if we had the gist of what we needed, then we passed. So we had to do like five summaries um, a month. So it was about five books a month that we were reading. It's incredible. So, and one of those books was When Kids Can't Read by Kylie Beers, which is what I brought up a second ago. But it's what teachers can do when kids can't read. I don't know if we had to memorize that one. We, we had to do that one for the reading one. I was reading... Um, teacher too, a reading trainer. So, but anyway, when kids can't read, it's really good and very helpful. Uh, if you're not sure what to do, it she really breaks it down. Uh, Colleen Beers does and, and helps people. Of course, she's written some other books and now, but that was the one that I felt like. Just a few. <laughs> just a few. But that's the one that really helped me. But that that was actually my my last one, but now I got honorable mentions afterwards, if you All don't right. mind. All right, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, you brought up Linda Reef earlier, but I do like her, uh, one of her last books, which was Read, Write, Think. Yes. And there she talks about, um, you know, the reading, writing workshop and how she uses it. And she goes through and talks about, uh, gives also some lessons in there, strategies, and she talks about how she uses uh, her notebooks and things like that in the classroom. Very helpful. Fun uh, fact. So that her, was one. Her journals and notebooks, she calls them writer's reader's notebooks. I've always yeah, thought that was does. interesting. She kind of flips it a little bit. Yeah, she flips it. And uh, But anyway, yeah, so that was those are my two right now. I'm trying to think. I think that's it that I have. Because oh, so I was going to bring up Axe and you brought it up. So, oh, yeah, I, there's I had one more. Re, there's reading and writing strategies, just a little nod. You, I think you talked to her just the other day, Jennifer, um, from oh, reading Saravala? strategies and writing. Uh huh, Saravala. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you've interviewed all these people. I haven't had the opportunity to talk to them. However, almost every time I've had an opportunity to thank, uh, uh, you know, Linda Reef recognized me. I had lunch with her one time, and she, and then she later on she recognized me. Just wanted to say that, but I've had a chance to thank Linda Reeve and Kylie Beers, and and uh, thank them for what they've done. Penny Kittle as well. So it's kind of neat to be able to go up and thank them. I even got to thank Donald Graves, 
So there's just a few more I still need to thank. Well, and that's more. that's how I feel with a lot of this is, you know, I, I'm just so pff, I feel like I just really lucky. Like I just happen to create a platform where I get to interview people who are <laughs> genuinely uh, legends in my field. Like, mm-hmm. and, you know, we our plan is to bring some of these people to craft and draft. You know, this is not an interview show the same way Teach Me Teacher is. But um, I think it'll benefit from us to kind of bring on some of these people that we pray so much just to give them a different way to talk about it. Cause teach me teachers. It's just a, a specific format at this point, but, um, this podcast, I think the beauty of what we're doing here is really unfiltered, high, less edited version of a just great conversation about mm-hmm. reading, writing workshop. And I think bringing on any of these experts, you and I would just be like, yes. And just let them go. And <laughs> right. let the conversation happen. So, uh, plans are in the works. But um, hopefully we didn't hurt your bank account too much. That was a lot of books. You definitely have <laughs> tons of PD to go read if you did not. Hopefully we referenced some stuff that you haven't uh, been fully exposed to yet. But this has been the Craft and Draft podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We release a podcast every single Friday. You're probably not listening to this one on launch day because of Christmas and you're doing other things rather than PD. But if you're taking a break from Christmas festivities and listening to an hour-long podcast... Uh, welcome. Thank you for listening, especially at this point. If you are still listening at this point, do me a favor. Will you hit that subscribe button if you're new? And if you've been listening and enjoyed this podcast, leave a review on the podcast app that you're listening on. You can just click the star button, which is amazing, or you can actually write some kind words if you think other people uh, need to hear your thoughts. We want to hear your thoughts. Leave some reviews. It's absolutely amazing when you guys do that. It really does help us out a lot if you want to support the show. Share the show on Facebook. You can find Craft and Draft on Facebook. Um, we are building our Facebook community over there. Or you can find us at craftanddraftworkshop.com. More to come as we continue. Next week's episode is going to be about our resolutions for the new year as teachers. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, know that we are here for you. <laughs>